right, welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And today we're going to be joined by some special guests. We're going to be joined by Jeff Garcia, the lead Spurs writer for the Spurs Zone and News 4 San Antonio, and also Fox 29 San Antonio. We're also going to be joined by Benjamin Boomstein. He is with Project Spurs, and he is a newcomer, a new new guest to the Two Shots podcast. I know that you just came off a draft spectacular uh, with our buddies Rudy Campos Jr. and Coach Gio of Sweep the League. So welcome, Ben. We are glad and ecstatic to have you on the show for the first time. I'm just as glad and ecstatic to be here, my good man. All right, so let's go ahead and get right into this, and let's talk about the Spurs and their draft picks, specifically who they drafted in the first round. The Spurs had the 19th, the 29th, and the 49th pick in this year's NBA draft. And they kind of surprised some people because they winded up picking Luka Samanic. Uh Nasir Little was available, and I know that we were. I was doing the draft special with you as well. I'm doing the stuff behind the scenes. And I think this one kind of took us a little bit by surprise, but I don't think it was much of a surprise. How were you feeling about that pick, uh, Ben? Feeling all right. It's it's not like um, like a lot of people said it wasn't a sexy pick, and uh, I can't remember the last time the Spurs got to make a sexy pick, so I wouldn't be terribly concerned by it. Uh, it, it was interesting that Nasir Little ended up dropping all the way to Portland at 25 in this draft. He was a lottery talent. Most people agreed, and he dropped. He had he dropped into the Spurs' lap. Everybody really wanted to grab him because he's a six six, two twenty five pound forward who will be able to kind of fit the mold. Who would have really been someone the Spurs and the Spurs fans would have really liked to have. But I think they're going to find that Lucas Samanich is not a bad consolation prize if you want to call him that. He's going to be a kid who works really hard. He's six eleven. He's two thirty. He's he played really well in the NBA draft combine and he shut it down after the first day one, because he played really well. And two, I think someone gave him a first round promise and it looks like his gut paid off because obviously someone came through on that promise. And so now he is a San Antonio spur. Yeah. So, I mean, he is a San Antonio spur. He's a power forward and he's about what? six eleven, two hundred 230 pounds. So yes, sir. it's always good to have some length. You know, we always need a rim protector, somebody who can possibly, you know, go out there and maybe wreak some havoc on the wing because we were sorely missing a wing defender uh, this season and it, and it really showed in the playoffs. So with that said, Jeff, how are you kind of, you know, tell us, how are you really feeling about this pick? What do you think it means for the the future of the franchise moving forward? Well, the last time, um, well, I can give you a couple of examples of when uh, fans went up in arms over a European pick. Uh, their names were Dirk Nowitzki and Kristaps uh, Porzingis, and they turned out to be pretty good players. And that was kind of the same reaction uh, from Spurs fans that I saw, and they made me think about back then, you know, how Knicks and Mavs fans reacted when their names were called out uh, as far as selections are concerned. Um, I think I, I was not surprised at all. I do agree with Ben. The Spurs have been scouting him for quite some time. Buford has been overseas in Croatia in the EuroLeague following this kid uh, relentlessly, as uh, Ben mentioned, uh, he was in San Antonio uh, for a workout and was very vocal about uh, him being in San Antonio. As a matter of fact, I was able to speak with uh, Lucas Amanich uh, following the uh, Spurs picking him, 
And uh, he told me and the rest of the media there that uh, the Spurs were the first team that he worked out with. So that kind of clued me into something thinking that, well, yeah, maybe Ben, you know, what you said about a team giving him a first round promise, and maybe that was the Spurs. So uh, all in all, I think the kid is going to need patience. Um, he's going to be spending a lot of time in Austin. Uh, he'll get the occasional call up. He'll have that one game versus a scrub team. And then all Spurs fans are going to go crazy thinking he's legit. And then fall flat in his face the next game. Uh, he's still young. He's what, 19 years old? Barely 19. Uh, he's yeah. Time, yeah, barely 19. So, you know, he's going he's gonna to be giving the business uh, up against some seasoned uh, veterans, whether in training camp, uh, in preseason games. But I would um, say uh, proceed with caution. Don't try to put too much stock into him so early. Uh, they're going to put him through the same path they did with Brent Forbes, Derek White, Kyle Anderson, Bobine Marjanovic, uh, et cetera, et cetera, as far as running him through the Spurs system. Austin Spurs, occasional call-ups, summer league, and then maybe season two, two and a half, they'll start relying on him more. All in all, not surprised by the pick. Although I was crossing my fingers for either a little or Brandon Clark didn't happen. Either way, the Spurs addressed the need that is a guy that can play at least multiple positions. He can play the five, he can play the four, he can stretch the defense, he's athletic, he can get to the rim, he can finish at the rim. Uh, but let's see him uh, play against NBA level talent before we put any type of high praise on him, even though he thinks, you know, he's the next coming of Andre Karolinko and Kevin Durant. <laughs> but outside <laughs> of that, a good pick for San Antonio, a not surprising one, though. Yeah, but I think a lot of Spurs fans forget, too, that the last time the Spurs had two first-round picks, they have to go all the way back to 1987 when the Spurs took David Robinson and Craig, and Greg, should I say, Cadillac Anderson in that 1987 mm -hmm. draft. But we know oh how God. that turned I, I was out. In the, I was in the <laughs> Hemisphere Arena for that draft party when they picked them. Yeah, when they used to do the draft party. When back they used the to do the draft party, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, they need to bring that back, dude. They've they've gotten a little, they've gotten away from kind of doing those things for the community. But I think it would be cool for them to do that again. Well, now you guys just sound old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are old. <laughs> that just goes to tell you what we we already knew about the Spurs history. I mean, I think me and Jeff kind of seen the Spurs play in every arena that they've been in here in San Antonio. So that is yeah. correct. Nothing like seeing a game with the obstructed view and with up there with the pigeons, right, Jeff? That's right. You know, as a matter of fact, uh, Joe and uh, Ben, I spoke to the very, very first Spurs GM. The literally the the moment they went from the ABA to the NBA, that opening weeks, months, um, he told me that Spurs was not going to be the nicknames um, that they were going to go either with the Armadillos or the Aztecs. Oh man. <laughs> that was good. That, that was that was going to be the Spurs name. Spurs were kind of a a distant uh, third. They were really and, and of the two, they really need towards Aztecs. Yeah, man, Spurs is so much better than than Aztecs yeah. or armadillos. So they they, they, they made a they made a wise better than armadillos though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Aztecs would have been cool. Yeah, and I, you know, what I, you know what I always say like if they ever do bring another team to San Antonio, why not go with that? I think that would rock. The armadillos. It'd have to be like a another football team, or you well, know, they're gonna mean well, ben, football we got Pelicans soccer. in the league, so it's not too far fetched. Yeah, not That's too far fetched. Yeah, but you know, going back to uh, this pick with Lucas Samonic, uh, they also, like you said, they did have Brandon Clark, they had Nasir Little, but you know, 
I kind of got to really believe in the Spurs front office, specifically in R.C. Buford. He kind of knows what he's doing and he can see things that we don't. So maybe he saw something in a in Brandon Clark's game or Nasir Little's game that he didn't like or he didn't think that they would be a good fit for the Spurs moving forward. So that's why they, they kind of picked Luka Samanik, uh, you know, in that, that 19th pick. So, you know, that's just how things are. We, I mean, we don't work for the front office and a lot of Spurs fans are just armchair GMs looking at the, the draft unfold and they get mad and they want to have their input. And that's all good. But I mean, at the end of the day, we don't get paid the big bucks to make these picks. Ben does. Ben, ben gets know, paid man. the big bucks. <laughs> yeah, so many, so many big bucks uh, coming, <laughs> coming in, just flowing in. I can feel them running into my bank account. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, if you really want to get into it, there, there were issues. There were some bigger issues with some of the guys who were available. You want to talk about Nasir Little? You can argue, okay, this guy is severely underperformed at UNC. He did not live up to the expectations of a top three recruit. You want to talk about Bull Bull. His injury history is astoundingly horrific, horrifically scary. And you had to think the Spurs were not going to take a chance on that, especially a big man with feet issues. That mm-hmm. never ends well. Yeah, when you get over seven, one, seven, three. thought would be good. He... He had maturity issues. He had off-court issues at USC. So I think it's safe to say he was not a locker room guy that they wanted. Brandon Clark, albeit a fantastic defender, he had almost a minus wingspan. And when you try and project the how a guy might play defense in the league, you always want to see him with a plus wingspan. And Brandon Clark didn't have that, despite being amazing on tape in games I loved him. I would have loved him at 19 for the Spurs, but he there he did have some problems that would have made him uh, a hard fit for the Spurs in some regards. So, you know, if, if, if those are kind of the four guys you were looking at, like the Spurs should have drafted 19, they all, they all had warts too. And, you know, I think some people are angry that they got Lucas Samanich because they said, well, that's not a guy I've seen play. So I don't really know his game. I don't really know how good or how bad he can be. He was playing in the Slovenian league. So, you know, how good is he really? He wasn't even putting up huge numbers in the Slovenian league, which, you know, might concern people. But again, R.C. Buford, Greg Popovich, and the Spurs front office, you have to believe, have done their homework. Yeah, exactly. They saw something in this young man that they felt that they could flirt, that he could flourish with uh, a little bit of, you know, Spurs love and putting him in the G League and bringing him around, you know, it's going to take a couple of seasons, but these picks aren't going to have an instant impact. I think that's what a lot of Spurs fans are wanting, but they have to yeah. trust the process. The Spurs aren't one of the better franchises in all of sports for for no reason at all. We have to trust mm-hmm. in what they're doing. So that brings us to the second pick in, you know, round one, pick 29. They picked Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. You know, he's 6'6", he's 216 pounds. I think this pick was a good, solid pick. You know, I I didn't have an issue with it. I thought it was a good, solid pick for the Spurs. What was your, what was your issue? Did you have any issues with this pick at all, Jeff, or you thought it was a good, a good pick? I thought it was a good pick. Um, You know, I didn't have any issues with it. Um, Again, you know, leaving Barclays Center after it was all said and done, 
And somebody asked me um, in the hallway when I was leaving, actually, I think it was Ian Begley of uh, uh, New York uh, Media. He goes, Big Jeff, what do you think about your picks? I went, hey, I guess. You know, that was kind of like the feel. You know, like, oh, fine. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. So when Kelton Johnson's name uh, came up and you know, the Spurs announced him, wasn't too surprised again. Why? Because I spoke with Kelton uh, prior to the uh, Spurs selecting him at the uh, NBA draft uh, pre uh, – I'm sorry, the uh, media session uh, pre-NBA draft. Uh, he revealed to me that the Spurs did meet with him in uh, Chicago at the uh, Combine. And it's very interesting. You said earlier, Joe, about trusting the process. Well, I think you're going to see a common thread now uh, with these picks that the Spurs uh, selected just a few days ago, trusting the Spurs process. Uh, Johnson talked to me about that Spurs process. He said to me that uh, the Spurs told him they can develop his game in that 30-minute session they had with him in Chicago. Um, he told me that the Spurs felt that he's going to be a great player. So the Spurs definitely see something in him. Um, they wouldn't waste their time uh, meeting with this kid. I mean, yeah, the due diligence, I get that. But you know, for them to scoop him up after meeting with him and then him telling me what they told him – um, wasn't again uh, too surprising for me. Um, this is pretty much the, the Spurs comment thread. I think Ben would know this as well. Um, same thing with Dejounte Murray. You know, I spoke with Dejounte Murray before he got drafted by San Antonio. The same thing. It almost was like mirror images. Exactly what Keldon told me is exactly what Dejounte told me years ago. The the Spurs did not work out Keldon. The Spurs did not work out Dejounte. Dejounte told me about the Spurs system and, you know, development and what they said. The same thing they said to Keldon Johnson. So I'm starting to see a pattern here. The uh, Spurs definitely like to pick those diamonds as rough as we know that. But it's just now what we're starting to see is that young players are recognizing the Spurs uh, process as a pathway to becoming solid players. And I think that's a good tip of the hat to the Spurs organization as well. Yeah, I thought it was a good, you know, nod to the Spurs, knowing, you know, that these young guys can come into an organization. And I think that they feel very confident that the Spurs can help elevate their game at some juncture. They just have to put in the work. The Spurs can can give you the tips and show you what to do. But ultimately, it's going to be your work ethic, you know, that's going to lead you mm -hmm. to the path of success. And I think that they're picking players that they believe that have that work ethic and like to be coached specifically you have to you have to pick players that are going to be able to be coached by the great coach Popovich. Not every player can be coached by coach Pop. We've seen that a lot of these, you know, star-studded free agents, they respect coach Pop, but could they really play for him? I don't think so. One of them being LeBron James for example. I I think he respects the hell out of coach Pop, but he couldn't really play for him. So I like the picks, you know, and and the way that the Spurs are moving forward with developing these guys and bringing them along, you know, to, to insert them for the team's future. In other words, you know, we know that some of the, the veterans that we have on the team are kind of getting long in the tooth. So we have to start looking to see how are we going to go ahead and fill those positions once they leave. So I thought they were good, solid picks. But, you know, a lot of Spurs fans want to, you know, see these players, like I said, come in and immediately have an impact on the team especially in the rookie years. But we have to remember the last time rookies played any uh, minutes, you know, worth <laughs> worth mentioning were going to be uh, rookies like Kawhi Leonard or George Hill. These are the, the last rookies that we had that played major minutes for the Spurs. So 
just to goes goes to show you you have to be a very special player in order for coach pop to even look at you and say you know what let me go ahead and give you some minutes in your rookie year and that's why we see a lot of these players go to the g league so given that ben let's go ahead and get your expertise on this on this pick by the san antonio spurs i'm i'm very happy that you brought up wanting to be coachable Keldon Johnson played at Kentucky. He played for coach John Calipari, who is one of the toughest coaches on his players. He gets after guys. He he expects nothing, almost nothing but perfection. He expects them to play their hardest at all times. He expects them to get it. And he, you know, he has high expectations for all of his players. And he always ends up bringing out the best in his players because of it. So I think having played for a guy like Calipari, Keldon Johnson, will have no issues playing for Greg Popovich. And I'd like to point out that the 29th pick in the NBA draft recently has been pretty kind to the Spurs. They got Corey Joseph in 2011, like you said, DeJounte Murray in 2016, and they got Derek White in 2017. So you have to think the 29th pick is a bit special for the Spurs. You have to think they're going to make it work out. And I really do like the pick of Keldon Johnson because – I had him graded as a top 20 guy, and he fell to 29. So I think as mad as people might have been about reaching on Lucas Samanich, who might have been there at 29, Spurs kind of made up for it with getting a steal at 29 with Keldon Johnson. So I think that has to be taken into consideration as well if you're handing out grades to teams and whatnot. But I think he Keldon Johnson is going to be like Jeff said earlier, a nice diamond in the rough because I love a good Aladdin reference. <laughs> and uh, I just watched the new movie the other day. Very much enjoyed it. Childhood brought back from the dead for me there. But um, I, I think it's a really good pick. I think he's going to be a guy who can guard two or three positions, which is much more important than anybody's offensive game right now because the Spurs, by the time Keldon Johnson is ready to play in San Antonio and not just in Austin, he will not really need to be an offensive juggernaut. He's not going to have to go out, get, get a lot of his own shots. He should have two other guys who will help him get his shots. He's going to be a really good defender. He is willing and able. He loves getting after it on the defensive end. He gets up into guys on the perimeter and even being a Florida guy who hates Kentucky, I really enjoyed watching Keldon Johnson play the game of basketball this past season. Yeah, I enjoyed watching. And then, him let too. me let me let me bring this up too, you know, because again, I was able to see him, you know, face to face, like in person, you know, shoulder to shoulder. Um, he's he's a, he's a, he's a little on the thin side, very on the thin side. You, you know, not a monster like say a Zion or or even in the middle, like when I, when I ran into Goga at at the uh, pre draft uh, media session. He's he's very very thin. He's gonna have to bulk up. He's gonna have to add some size to his frame because he will get eaten alive. Um, if he for if we were to get any type of minutes uh, this season in the NBA, I mean next season in the NBA. Yeah, you know you were speaking of being undersized, which brings us to the second round pick for the Spurs at forty nine. They went ahead and picked Quindary Weatherspoon out of Mississippi State. He's six foot four and two hundred and five pounds, and he, that's one of the things that stood out on the scouting report that I saw about this uh, young man is that he's a bit undersized. Uh, for the two guard position, uh, and you know the mm-hmm. thing is, that he is since he's kind of undersized. What's going to happen if he doesn't bulk up? 
he's going to wind up having the same type of uh, playing minutes, kind of like Davis Bertans has. While Davis Bertans is a prolific shooter at times, he's kind of a streaky shooter, he is a bit undersized, so that is a factor when it comes into crunch time and you having to guard big men when you get the mismatch right underneath the right underneath the rim. You know, they can kind of just push you out of the way and just, you know, abuse you under the rim. So he needs to bulk up if he ever wants to play more minutes uh, moving forward with the San Antonio Spurs. But we got to really come to come back down to earth here and say, you know, second rounders don't really work out all too well in the NBA. That's been the history. The Spurs have had some luck in the second round, but more than likely he's going to wind up playing heavy minutes and he's going to probably stay in the G League, probably for the first season, no doubt, maybe even into his second season. So we're really not going to see this player too much uh, here in San Antonio. He might be riding the bench on occasion, you know, if somebody gets injured, but more than likely he's going to be one of these players that's really going to have to work and show show us what he really has to offer. You know, and there's some things that the Spurs like, no doubt about him. But how are you feeling about this uh, pick, Ben? Um, I was not a fan of drafting a guard. I didn't think they needed another guard. I thought the Spurs should have gone with someone like someone like uh, Nas Reed, who went undrafted, by the way. So he was definitely available. I think Nas Reed has an NBA-ready body. You wouldn't have to worry about him taking hits getting getting in the paint and banging with guys you you'd have to worry more about defense with him making sure he is attentive making sure he has his awareness where it needs to be but i thought there were other good options at power forward center even a wing that the spurs could have addressed with their second draft second round draft pick and sure there's a history that second round draft picks don't always work out for teams i would say the spurs have a good history in the second round but also I'd say the NBA as a whole in the last few years in recent draft history, history they've hit on second rounders fairly well. Uh, there, there have been a lot of good players that have come out of the second round, Draymond Green most notably. So I, I, you know, I never consider any pick a throwaway pick. Yeah. And I think you have to take that pick seriously and you have to – you, you really do have to do your scouting, and sure, you can say, oh, well, you know, if you're the Pelicans and you picked at 57 or whatever, you can say, oh, what's well, the 57th pick? What's that guy going to ever end up doing? You don't know. You have no idea. That's why you That's why you have to do your due diligence. That's why you have to know what this guy is about that you're drafting. And, you know, the Warriors in recent years have spent a ton of money, a ton of cash buying second-round picks from guys, and – turning them into decent players. So that just something to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, you know, there were some picks. I'm going to go ahead and get Jeff's take on this as well. But there were some picks available that kind of made a little bit more sense as far as length and size and, you know, kind of the NBA uh, ready body. You had uh, Jante Porter and you also had Taco Fall, as long as, you know, what you said, uh, Nas Reed as well. Uh, so what were you thinking, Jeff? Did you like this pick or again, another guard? I mean, we're already guard heavy, <laughs> so I already know what kind of what, where you're going to go. So it's interesting to me that they, they made this selection. So how were you feeling about it? In, you know, late in the round, you know, what 49, you know, the draft's going to get over and you know, these guys are going to be on the fringe of rosters. 
Um, yes, you're going to see him play in the summer league. You're going to see him play in Austin. But uh, much like um, you know, other past uh, second round picks for uh, San Antonio, look at the Tron Blossom game. You know, really didn't make an impact in, in San Antonio as opposed to the G League in Austin. You know, I think the same path could be ahead for uh, Weatherspoon here. Uh, speaking with him after he got uh, selected, that common thread comes up again. You know, he just would not stop talking about the Spurs process. Um, he said to me, uh, quote, just the way they develop players uh, like Derek White. So he even pointed to Derek White. He went on to tell me, um, quote, they developed him, White, over time. And look what he did in the playoffs this year. Uh, he even tipped his hat to the Spurs system. So there's that. You know, the you know Weatherspoon sees it. And I think if any player is going to need that Spurs process, it's likely going to be him. So I don't expect him to make an immediate impact in San Antonio and let alone the other two. But, hey, you know, I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope that he does print out to be a good player for San Antonio. Now, um, he did work out with the Spurs twice uh, before his name was called. And uh, he told me that the Spurs put him in a lot of pick-and-roll situations in their workouts. And he told me that San Antonio flat out told him they're going to try to into a combo-type player. Hey, you know, the Spurs took him in twice. They told him what they told him about his development. So the Spurs definitely see something in uh, Q, as he wants to be called. He made sure to tell me and the other media there that he wants to go by Q. So Q, good luck. And uh, we'll be seeing plenty of lights up in the G League in Austin. All right. So before we go ahead and end this, I'm going to go ahead and ask you two questions. And I'm going to ask the same two questions of Ben as well. What grade would you hand out to the San Antonio Spurs in this year's draft? Two, how well do you think these picks will pan out? Uh, in the future for the franchise? So, uh, grade, uh, C-. minus. Um, I think um, what just just hurt me was that they didn't address their biggest need, and that being the small forward. I think they could have addressed that in this draft, whether it had been, you know, Little or, or, or Clark or, as Ben mentioned, even uh, Reed, you know, just somebody, just somebody, you know, for that position. That, that To me, that took a punch in the gut. Uh, to hear it there at Barclays and, you know, not expecting Luca, expecting Luca's name to be called maybe later down yeah, the line, round. not that early. Yeah. yeah. You know, that caught me up by surprise. And um, so I think, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the Spurs saved themselves with the uh, Johnson pick. And I think that bumped up their grade. But um, yeah, I give it a C, C minus. And then what was your second question again? I'm sorry. How do you think these picks will pan out uh, moving forward for the Spurs? You know, uh, I'm gonna, yeah, um, I, right now I'm going to say the jury is out. I it's, it's hard to tell. You know, Buford said to the local media the pick that they don't plan to dress and stash Samanich, that they're going to use him. Uh, whether that's use him in Austin to develop him because he was very he heavy, he heavily talked about Austin. Um, with the local media following the draft. So um, he's not going to be stashed away. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction. Um, so they're looking to see how what he can bring. Um, so I, I just the jury is still out. You know, they're not going to get a lot of run. Uh, Spurs fans should not expect heavy minutes for all any of the three. They'll get their call-ups, and everybody will go crazy and frantic, and, oh, they're calling them be back. Now we're going to go on a win streak. You can see it already. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you're just going to have to just wait and see. And I think that's the best thing the Spurs fans can do with these trio of new Spurs. You have to just wait and see and how well this Spurs process uh, will benefit 
um, all three new Spurs. Yeah. Same question to you, Ben. Uh, great that you're going to hand out for the Spurs and their selections for this year's NBA draft. And what do you think these players are really going to do moving forward for the franchise? I'm a little friendlier than Jeff. I'm going to give him a B minus. Um, I, I completely agree with Jeff that they did not address their, their wing need. Yeah, they didn't address it as well as they should have. And as well as they could have completely agree with Jeff there. Uh, I, I do like the pick of Lucas Simonich. I think he's going to be better than people believe, but I would say do not expect these guys to play in San Antonio this year, barring a slew of injuries. Mm-hmm. And with the way exactly. last year went, you have to think the Spurs are going to have better injury luck this year. So, you know, knock on wood like 50 times, but um, that's that's the way I see it. I don't see any of these guys playing – major definitely not major minutes they, they might get a call up here and there throughout the season if uh like jeff mentioned earlier if, if it's a scrub team and the spurs decide mm-hmm. we're going to rest mm-hmm. a bunch of people we're going to get some call-ups this game they might get in there but i would say expect these guys to get minutes down the road in year two or three yeah exactly and 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 to continue off what ben said as far as the call-ups are concerned you can, and all of us here right now talking, we know this is going to happen. They'll get called up. One of those three, if not two or whatever, their names will be called up on road trips. Yeah. doesn't mean they're going to play. So I want to let you know now, everybody, they're not going to play likely. They will maybe in garbage time, but uh, why? Because Popovich usually does that. He brings them on extended road trips and he'll tell the media the same thing. And I'm going to tell you right now, well, because they got to get more experience. I want them to ride the bench and they need to see what it is uh, uh, on the road. He's going to say that. So don't get your hopes high. No, I, I want these guys to pan out. Well, I'm not sitting here dogging them. I'm just saying they just need to be worked on. They, that's all. That's all. They got great potential. Uh, Samanich, you know, 6'11", you, you know, um, can run the floor, can put the ball on the floor, can get to the rim. He has uh, Johnson, great footwork as well. Athlete. He has good footwork as well for yeah, big man. Explosive. Yeah, Johnson, explosive, young, you know, hungry, defensive. A beast, as Ben was mentioning, uh, you know, Q, the same thing with him. Um, just, just don't get your hopes up high if you hear, if you see me or Ben or Joe put it out there that the Spurs are going to call up somebody. Okay, um, I want, I think the Spurs need to have patience with these young kids. And here's another reason why these players are likely not to get too much burn next season, because Lonnie Walker, Dejounte Murray, and Derek White uh, are all going to get a bulk of those minutes walker is going to get a, a spike in minutes Dejounte is definitely going to get a spike in minutes as the season progresses i expect the spurs to take it easy on him maybe the first month or two um coming off the injury but those guys are are back they're back and you know will metu get run i think maybe ben can address that more than i can you know there you know will eubanks be back uh, you know, if that happens, you know, that, that just sucks well, away time Gay be from these back. three That's one of the biggest questions. I mean, he's more than likely going to come back, you know. not. You know, I'm not, I'd be, I'd be more surprised if he says no. I don't know, man. He I, if, he de- if he says no, it wouldn't surprise me. But if he decides to, you know, test free agency, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, he will. Well, I mean, I'm pretty I, sure his agent's going to have to do due diligence, but I mean... I think the Spurs are going to bring him back. Go ahead, Ben. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think he comes back to San Antonio. Fairly minimal deal. Yeah. He knows they can't offer him too much, but I think he really does enjoy playing for the Spurs. I think so as well. I think he found a home here with San Antonio. 
He likes the city. He likes the coaching staff. He respects the hell out of Coach Pop. And he also gets to play alongside one of his good friends and uh, DeMar DeRozan. So, I mean, it's a win-win for him all across the board. Plus, he gets the playing time he's wanting. You know, that's a big factor. If he goes somewhere else, will he get that playing time that he's uh, looking for? You know, because he is getting getting a little old, you know. <laughs> so some, yeah, some of those minutes get, you know, pushed off to some younger players. So I think he's he's got a little a good little niche that he's carved out here in San Antonio. And and that the fact too that look uh, the Spurs rest him. I think he only put what sixty nine games last year. Yeah. In the regular season, um, this off season, you know, he seems to be slimming down even more. So uh, yeah, I, I don't see. Like I said, I, I'd be more surprised if we hear, you know, the Spurs announce that, you know, they're or I'm sorry, some other team announced that they're going to sign him, and I, I, that'd be more shocking to me. But no, I expect uh, Rudy Gay to be back. But that still doesn't address the issue. The fact they still need help at that small forward spot, that swing spot. They still need to address that. And do they think that they have that? <sighs> ben, help me out here with Lonnie Walker. Do they think they have that with moving, shuffling some of the guards they have around? I don't know. but We don't know what's going to happen in free agency either. You know? Yeah, exactly. They could do something and kind of fill the roster spot by just getting a body. But there's really no one that really, you know, will jump out at you in free agency that yeah. the Spurs can realistically go after. And I think that's what the Spurs fans don't fully understand, that the Spurs have some issues with the cap. They can't go after big name free agents because mm-hmm. they just don't have the cash. And even just to make an offer, you're going to have to get well, rid of some players. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I thought something was was happening uh, at the draft and uh, Reason I say that is because I mean I was getting the messages left and right leading up to the draft. Oh, Spurs, Jeff, do you think the Spurs are going to make a big move? And I kept on saying no. Historically, they rarely do. The last one was Kawhi Leonard, George Hill. Yeah, and they just usually stand pat. So sure enough, you know that panned out. You, you know, then of course the messages came back to me saying, "Okay, we're sorry, you were right. You know, they they stood pat." And Joe, you, even you and I agreed on this. There, this what they did was exactly what everybody yeah. knew. Or should have expected them to do. But here's what made me think something was up. I've gone to the draft, I'm going to guess here, six, seven, eight times. That's just a ballpark guess there. Never have the Spurs PR gone there. Usually let the NBA PR go there, uh, handle their business. The Spurs PR showed up. I saw them in the subway. I recognized the face. I said, holy crap. They never come out here. This could be something huge. Um Maybe they're here because they moved up and they got them one of those special name players that were in the draft and, you know, they're going to be, you know, closely huddled around them. That was the only time I actually wavered a bit where I thought, oh, my God, they're going to do something. But when they did it, I said, okay, fine. But then you still got to deal with them afterwards, which wasn't fun. Yeah, But, you know, it wasn't really to to a a big surprise to anyone that they kind of stand pat and just keep doing what they're doing. You know, we're going to trust the process and. I'm sure. Now, exactly. You know. now, Go ahead. Now, now, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, but uh, Ben, I, I think you would agree. I think once the free agency period kicks in, that's when you should be watching the Spurs. Yeah. Not really in the draft. It's really in the free agency market. I think that should be the common thought moving forward until Pop or Buford call it a day. Absolutely. And I, I yeah. think. Free agency, that might be when the Spurs move some of their contracts that they don't yeah. like. If mm-hmm. someone is kind of dumb enough to take them, Patty they're Mills. going to they, – they've, they've just got <laughs> to find a way to free up cap space is what it comes down to. 
Yeah. And look, it may not and, be this year, really. They may yeah. say, well, we got a few guys coming off the books next year. That's when we'll be, we'll have more space. We'll be a little more free and we can make some things happen. Ben, let me ask you though, or actually just follow, follow my trend of thought here. Um, do, would you expect them to be very active uh, come uh, the uh, trade deadline? The reason I say that, because by then they should know where they stand with DeMar DeRozan and vice versa. I think he has a player option or a team option the following season. Yeah. It's one of the two. I don't re- remember which it it's is. next season. I mean, he just has an option. Is his option? Yeah, from what I remember, he has a player option come next season. Okay, fine. By then, they should know what his, what his intent. Well, I mean, they should have a better idea what the shape of the team should be moving forward. And they're always thinking ahead and way ahead. I think, and then with their situation uh, financially, do they make a move then so they can be really big time players in the uh, in next off season, or hmm, you know, do they stand pat again and you know, okay, Demar, you're picking up your option. Great, we love you. Welcome back. Or do they try to more LMA or Patty or one of the bigger do you, Ben, do you think they might be a little bit more active this trading period? A little bit. I think they they have some very team friendly contracts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco Bellinelli has is getting paid about five point eight next season. Bryn Forbes is incredibly cheap, but I imagine they mm-hmm. wouldn't want to move him because of that. They could move I mean, a lot of these guys they have are still on rookie deals. The problem is they are paying an exorbitant amount of money for DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Patty Mills. Mm-hmm. And for this coming season, it's the last year they pay Pogasol, but he is with the Bucks now, so I guess he's off the. he should be mm-hmm. off the books. Um, but Patty Mills is making almost 12.5 mil this year. LaMarcus, mm. 26 even. DeMar mm. DeRozan, 27.7. I mean, Ouch. those three guys right there, that's your, sal- that's your salary cap space being eaten up. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I'm interested to see if they, they even do, would they entertain a trade, you know, this offseason with DeMar DeRozan? I mean, you could get value for him now versus waiting to see if he does opt in or opt out next season. Uh, he does have some value. So if you can get maybe some something that's tangible that you can use right now, you think that the Spurs would actually consider that uh, or even, you know, maybe making a trade with, you know, somebody for for Davis Bertans, for example. You know, I mean, if we could get rid of Patty Mills, I'd be ecstatic, but. I don't think anybody's going to want to take on that contract. But what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, Patty Mills is a tough contract to move. So it's 12.4 this year, and then it's 13.2 the next season. Ouch. Um, you're, yeah, you're, I mean, granted, he is a good player, and he fills a very specific role. But you, it would have to be the perfect team that would take him on and say, one, we can take on – this amount, this amount of salary, and two, he would fit a role. He would fit a clear role on our team. So I think that's the biggest issue. But as far as trading Demar Derozan, if you're the Spurs, you have to get major, major return on investment here. You got to get, you either got to get picks or you got to get young players who you who you truly believe will blossom. Because if you do that. Boom, the Spurs all of a sudden become considerably younger 
And assuming they get people in return who actually shoot threes, they they also address a major problem they've had the past couple seasons in that they don't take enough threes to win games in this league. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so keen on watching what they do in this offseason, just for the, the reasons that you just stated. A lot of Spurs fans probably hate me for saying that, but if the Spurs can move DeMar DeRozan in a trade to get some quality, you know, players, like you said, that could, you know, kind of stretch the the defense and also hit some threes, that helps the Spurs. And like you also pointed out, helps them get much younger. And that's not only what the league has done as far as the evolution of the game. It's what Spurs fans are, are screaming for. They want to see a young, athletic, exciting team. And all those things would be, you know, fulfilled in the eyes of Spurs fans. But of course, you'd have to let go of one of your key pieces, which we, in fact, did, uh, you know, trade for Kawhi Leonard. So, you know, you well, have they're, they're good. the Spurs fans are going to get a heavy dose of young athletic players next season with the return of Walker and, and Murray. Yeah. And uh, so there's that. So they're, they'll get their healthy dose. Look, the Spurs are on a youth movement. It's, it's quite obvious. It's been that way for quite some time now. And again, patience. I think patience is going to be huge for this team. And the other reason why I don't see them trying to move uh, Patty Mills because he's the last remnant. He's the OG. He's the, the last Spurs OG. Guard. He's the OG. He's the <laughs> last one. So look, Popovich values that. I mean, he every freaking day, every game, every post conference, post playoff, you pick a pick a media session. You know, more than likely he'll talk about you know the culture. You know, winning ways, you know, the system. That's what Patty Mills is for the Spurs team right now. And, it, it, you know, for the Spurs to move away from him, and I think they would if it's a, if, if like Ben said, if a team is going to be dumb enough to take that. But other than that, you know, Pop sees value in Patty Mills beyond the X's and O's. And I think a lot of Spurs fans focus on the X's and O's and the cold shooting and he's hot this moment and, you know, he's undersized. Pop sees, it, sees him more than that. He sees him as that presence that this young Spurs team is going to need. Brent Forbes talks about Petty Mills uh, so much about how it wasn't for Mills taking him under the wing that maybe Forbes wouldn't have the confidence. Same thing with Derek White. So Pop sees that, and Patty's not dumb. He's going to be doing stuff like that to get him a, keep, let him keep his job. So, you know, Patty Mills will likely be with the Spurs, um, again, unless a dumb team is out there <coughs> next uh, to take Patty Mills. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I, I doubt anybody will pick him up, but we're going to go ahead and put in a close to this episode of the Two Shots podcast. But before we do that, I'm going to go ahead and give uh, Ben here an opportun- opportunity to plug himself so you all can follow him on Twitter. So where can they reach you at? Follow me on Twitter at the underscore Boomstein. And I stay plugged in, fam. I will answer all of your questions. I don't care how ridiculous they are. I am here for them, especially if they involve Taco Fall, because that's my guy. <laughs> Taco Fall. I love well, the name. I would have well, loved to have if, him. If, if, if that's true, if that's true, Ben, you answer all questions, no matter how stupid, you didn't give me your pick, Predator or the Arbiter. Oh, see, I'm not informed enough to give you an opinion on that, though. I don't. I'm oh. not, not a Predator movie fan, so I didn't I didn't want to dilute the time. Hang up on him. Hang up on him now. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we had a discussion if, you know, because we're, we're big time nerds here. If you had the Arbiter yeah. from Halo versus the Predator from the Predator franchise, which one of these two warriors would come out victorious on a one-on-one session? To me, it would be the Predator because he's just savage. 
You know, he just has this yeah. warrior instinct. The Arbiter is going to try to get kind of philosophical on us, kind of think <laughs> about what he's going to do, contemplate. He's, he's going to want to talk about the yeah. fight first. He's going to monologue the Predator to death, and before he knows sword. it, he's done, you know? Hey, but like Ben said, he got that plasma sword. Got the plasma sword, but I mean, if you're going to think about killing, you're going to hesitate for a split second, you're done, man. The Predator's just all instinct, you know? He's just a warrior. He's just a, a Predator, you know? He wants to go out there and and get the kill. You know, he wants to get his trophy. See, think about the names by humans. <laughs> <laughs> think, think, think about the names too, Ben. Predator versus the Arbiter. His Arbiters want to sit down and arbitrate this. All right, let's sit down. Yeah. Let's talk about this. He's going to want to have a okay. cup of coffee with you, man. It's like, yeah. no, bro. <laughs> this is not, but a, if he has to, but if he has to throw down, I'll give my respect to the Arb. He, he'll, he'll throw down. The, the plasma sword is what you think you're fascinated with. Yeah. You know, the Arbiter addresses the Spurs need a small forward. You know, maybe they can get oh, him in. Yeah. If he can play with the plasma sword, I'd, I'd give it, give the, <laughs> the edge to the, the Spurs, Arbiter. The, the Spurs need that much help at the small forward position. They need, they need to bring out a plasma sword, a predator weapon. They just need help. They period. need some help. They do. Even if it's not from, from Earth, even if it's from off world, <laughs> <laughs> they need to get some help, man. <laughs> Damn it, Ben. Get on that right now. You know what? Somebody had made a quick uh, reference to a. Uh, Space Jam, and they had put, you know, in this uh, first for the first selection in, in this year's NBA draft, the Monstars select Zion Williamson. I thought that was pretty funny, dude. So I I I want to see somebody do a spoof like that, you know, uh, referencing Space Jam in, in the next draft. I think that would be well done. That would be fun. <laughs> it would be a good fun. So Jeff, where yeah, can the and- people get a hold of you on on social media? Before I do that, uh, guys, do you think the the draft needs to be shortened time? I mean, yes, yes. that would Way be a big yes. That would be a big yes. Imagine I didn't leave Barclays till about three a.m. Oh my! That's was first pick forty nine, and then they had a backlog of post conference, uh, post selection interviews. Literally, I, this is what happened behind the scenes. He had the the chief uh, NBA PR just look at all of us and say. They're trying to speed it up so bad. They were telling us, okay, does anybody have interest in number 50, number 48? You know, if not, they were just rushing them off. That's how bad their backlog was. Because why? They go through so many media circuits, uh, stop following the selection. It's out of control. They get the handshake and then they go do their little interview off stage and then they're walking and then they go to a separate uh, stage for a social media interview. Okay. Then after that, they go to a photo session right there in Barclays in front of everybody in the bowl. And they got to do their poses and their pictures. Okay. Then after that, they got to walk into Barclays in the bowels of it. And it's Barclays is huge. It's bigger than the AT&T center. They have to go through these long, um, uh, hallways, right? So then they're going through that. Then they got the team, um, handling them. And then they're they're doing their their local interviews over the phone. They'll stop. There's just so much going on, and the families are wanting to stop them um, in mid circuit so they can take photos with them. Okay. Then there are guys like me who are begging and pleading, you know, to, with the NBA PR, their team PR. To, Let me talk to this guy. And then there's that. And then they go. To, they finally get to their conference that you see on NBA TV, and there's a line behind that curtain of players. And then. You know, the, the teams are trying to be nice to the new guy. They're not ready to go up yet because they're on their phone. They're talking to their family, their, their guys and their girlfriend. It's a mess. 
it's not as smooth as you all think it is. I think they just need to televise the first round. Then after that, maybe just put the second round, you know, online only and be done with it. You know, you just need to see what's going to happen in that first round. That's where everybody lose in, tunes in. I, I lose interest fast. Yeah. I mean, there's watching it on TV and then there's being there at Barclays. Be, and then when the Spurs don't pick till 49, I'm wandering around Barclays. I'm just talking to the people. I, I, I'm like, I tune out. Yeah. And I can only imagine how it is like on TV. I mean, that, I mean, Ben, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm, I know you saw it. You must have been like, oh, hurry the F up already. Here it is. <laughs> Look at what the NFL does. They have 32 teams. Their first round takes two hours flat. There's no reason the NBA can't do the same thing with two less teams. End of story. Yep. You think is you think Ben? You think is the, the time they give them too much time? What is it five minutes to make a selection? No, it's be... not an issue of too much time. It's okay. an issue of of the team of TV and them having to bring. They they get the pick in in their five minutes, right? And then the commissioner doesn't come out immediately and give the pick. They're waiting for they're waiting for commercials. They're doing all these other things instead of having the commissioner come out give the pick. They're not even they're not even coming out here and saying, okay, this pick has been traded. The rights are now belonging to this team. They mm-hmm. just they still go mm-hmm. with the team who originally had the pick. So mm-hmm. I don't know why it's taking them so long. No, uh, here's another thing too. We're at Bar- we're at the draft, and at Barclays, when y'all see the um, on TV, you know, up next is the San Antonio Spurs. They are on the clock. Okay, then the countdown starts. About a minute into that countdown. The main screen, the the big screen in the arena, the one that hovers above the court, that in about a minute it starts flashing. The pick is in, so I know from that point, from when the commissioner says something, that they're in, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, so just say it, just just go out real fast and just <laughs> say it. No, they will they milk that five minutes, and then they'll go say it. That's ridiculous, man. That is an issue. They they need a, they need to speed up the process because it's it's something to just sit there, especially like I was doing the things behind the scenes for, you know, sweep the league and Rudy and Gio and and even Ben was on. I mean, it's it you get tired just sitting there and then talking about the draft and talking about every pick and waiting and seeing what's going on. I mean, it, it's something different when you're actually working that yeah. event, you know. So yeah, it needs to be short and and then and, and then to another reason why you know like. Like for me, you know, you know, waiting for them to do their post-selection conference because when they're after they do that interview, the moment they get off the stage, um, they go through this gauntlet of fans. So the fans are also trying to stop them and take pictures. And like Zion, he was really, you know, you know, cordial with them. He stopped and he took pictures. So that holds it up. And I, I said the 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 what was it uh, Johnson? I think yeah, Johnson. After his name was called, I I want to guess I waited about 30, 40 minutes before he even got to the stage where I can where we can just ask him questions. And I'm like, oh my god, where is he? That's a that's too much of a of a wait, you it's know, brutal. too much time that's just gone by, and it, it needs to be uh, a little bit more efficient. I'm a yeah, big I, guy I, when I, it I comes to next, efficiency. Yeah, I think next year what I'm gonna do. Um, I'm probably not going to take my media seat. I'm probably just going to like wait in the conference room. And then just when the Spurs are on the clock, I'll just go to the media to see it and then just go right back because there's the other thing too, the security, the media, they have so many like paths, like, like one way, like one way streets you can only take. And if you go even try to go against that one way street, 
the the security will stop you and say, no, you got to go around. So for me, you would have to go from there. You have to go from your media seat down the stairs, go into where the players are coming off the stage and doing their interview that if you're looking at them on TV, it's to the right of the player. There's a, there's a door or like a, like a gate that swings open. That's where the media from the, for, uh, that come down from the, the middle bowl. We go through there, but, a, but if we go down there, then we cut across. That's fine. But let's just say the conference is over and you want to just retrace your steps. No, you, you can't do that. You can't just come back to how you started. The security tells you, no, you have to go back inside, take the elevator up to the third floor, then take the stairs down. It's a mess. They just need yeah. to have the media there close in close proximity so they can do their their job. They can work, you know, and have it be a little bit more efficient. But I think what's going to happen is if you have that many people in the media together in one spot, we all know how that turns out. Everybody's trying to jockey for yeah. position and they're trying to squeeze and push. And, you know, it becomes another ass whip as well. So there's there has something has to be done that's a little bit better than that. You know? Yeah. And people always say like, oh, it's so much fun draft you get to go and everything <laughs> i was like no it's not fun it's not fun um i rather you know as i said i think next year i think i'm just gonna stay in the media workroom or the conference room and just sit there and just watch it on the tv that they have there okay you know the spurs are up i'll just go and see it live and then come right back and just chill because mm-hmm. i think i put too much stress on myself by leaving my equipment out on the table going through the one-way streets for lack of a better term going through security, fighting through the fans, fighting through people, going through walking that long path to get, it's just, it's just not efficient. And so if you like efficiency, Joe, you're not going to like yeah. the NBA draft. I would have gotten really perturbed and upset already. No, you, you would have. Yeah, and yeah, for that yeah, reason, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Ben's all like, Ben's like, yeah, I'll watch it on TV. Just give me my popcorn. I would have just said, where's the bar at? Um, I'm out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, ben, 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 ben would have been probably ordering some food, chilling at the bar, eating some snacks. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I would have said, we'll keep the, the draft on in the little phone right there, and we'll just <laughs> we'll just enjoy some refreshment instead. You know, we can still report on it, but yeah, man, that's that's not going to happen. That just sounds like a, a big-time ass whip, you know, so. It, it, it's right. not fun. Yeah, well, we got to get you out of here already because you're going to be going to the movies soon. So where can the people... I know, uh, Chucky's waiting for yeah, me. Yeah, for real. So where can the people get a hold of you on social media? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff G Spurs Zone. As Joe mentioned, I am the lead Spurs writer over at News 4 San Antonio on Fox 29 San Antonio, the Spurs Zone. Make sure to check out um, all we got cooking when it comes to your silver and black, including uh, coming up uh, this coming week, uh, an exclusive interview I had with uh, the new Spur, Kay Johnson. Uh, it's just a pretty interesting one. I think you all should really take a read in what he had to say. Uh, and, of course, Lockdown Spurs. I am the host of the Lockdown Spurs, um, part of the Lockdown NBA Network. Joe is a uh, regular there. Ben, he's too drama and diva. He doesn't like coming on my show, so I wish he wasn't such a diva. <laughs> Sir. Uh, <laughs> diva. My goodness. How dare you? How dare you? Jeff, all you have to do is bring me green M&Ms only, and I'll be on there all the time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> no, but uh, uh, Joe and Ben has come on Lockdown Spurs in the past. It's a great uh, place to just hear us ramble on about your silver and black again, Lockdown Spurs. Yeah, so we'll go ahead and end this episode of the Two Shots Podcast. Again, thank you to our guests, Jeff Garcia and Benjamin Boomstein. So for Ben and, and Jeff, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for 
tuning in and listening to another episode of the two shots podcast and like we always say spread the love stop the hate and be kind we're out peace